Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 317 of the Wheel Bearings podcast, we've got the Toyota Prius Prime review, the third-gen Volkswagen Tiguan, our plug-in hybrid Ford Ranger that Americans can't have. TFL tests the Silverado EV at towing. No more Vito, no more Volvo diesels. UAW expands their strike, and VinFast sells most of its cars to itself. All that and more coming up next. This is episode uh, 317 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Mabul Sandwich from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeling from The Road Reflected. I am Roberto Baldwin from SAE International. Outstanding. And what have you been driving, Nicole? Well, I've been driving a bunch of stuff, so two things I want to talk about. One is the truck that is in my driveway, because once again, a truck. Like, why not just give Nicole another truck? Like, forget cars. Just give her every truck that's ever been built in the well, last Why not? Year. I mean, isn't, isn't that what Americans only buy anyway? Apparently. Apparently, <laughs> that's the only thing that Americans buy. So I have the 2023 Chevrolet Silverado Crew Custom Trail Boss four-wheel drive. <laughs> yeah. And it has that little, what, that Z71 off-road package on it, which gives like a Z71 in the grill. And it's got some off-road, you know, goodies. It's, and It's like you want to go out. And it's a little more off-roady than just a regular trail boss. Right. It's a little more off-roady than a regular trail boss, um, which is a little bit off-roady. This is a little off-roadier. Um, so it's an off-road truck. It's nice. I mean, it. you know, it's funny because I just had the, I had the, um, the GMC... I just forgot what the truck is called. Sierra. Sierra. Last one. Like, what the heck <laughs> do they call it? I had the Sierra last week. So some of it is very much the same, like that multifunction tailgate they have on the back. You know, it's like exactly the same tailgate on the back of this because they're the same company. So they share. I know. Blows are, your mind. Are, are, right? are you saying that these are not two completely unique designs? They're not uh, totally different trucks? I, possibly in some respects, yes. Um, different in other respects, though. The big thing with different good gravy after being in the interior of the Sierra and then being in the interior on the Silverado, that's where you know they're not the same company. Oh, okay. That's where you know, without a doubt, that these are not the same brand. Um, the Silverado feels so much more Spartan. It's it's not like it's bad. It's just not. In fact, my daughter sat down. She's like, the first words out of her mouth. Oh, this truck isn't as expensive, is it? Like she could see it when she sat down. Like this truck doesn't look as good as the other truck. So that one I think was like a hundred grand. This one is fifty-three and change. Um, so it, it, you know, it's significantly cheaper, but it also feels that you know there's fabric seats and everything feels a little bit cheaper. Which I don't know. I mean, you're paying for much less. And I mean, you know, you're getting the off-road if the off-road bits are what you're excited about. But even the infotainment screen, I was just trying to find the size. The infotainment screen was woefully tiny. Um, seven, let's see, seven inch. Yeah, it's a seven inch touchscreen. 
for a, a big a, truck. Yeah. Because like, like in a, in a small car, seven inch, you're like, oh, that's fine. But right? in a giant, like you have this expanse. <laughs> exactly. Like, in every, you know, you, you have like huge things in sedans these days. So you get a seven inch screen in a truck and you think like, wait, was that a mistake? Did they mean to do that? Uh, so It works fine. It's easy to view and read and all that kind of good stuff. But it just feels really small, which again adds to a sort of cheap truck kind of vibe to this. However, driving it, I drove it quite a distance. I drove it all the way up to Pittsburgh, New Hampshire. Um, so I drove it quite a ways. Very, it actually was a really nice highway cruiser, and even high speeds. The speed limit is 70 miles an hour in northern New Hampshire, so take that. And so you're driving pretty fast. It still handles really well. It's, it's a really nice, well-mannered truck, nice, quiet ride. Um, I, I do love, and I think this might be the first time I've ever had a truck that had the bench seat up front that you can flip up the like center console armrest thing and turn it into a seat. <coughs> Excuse me. But man, does it look like it wouldn't be comfortable. <laughs> so looks... in the front, you can have a friend sitting next to you. Yeah. You could just like right there. You're, you're like your bestie so, could sit right next to you or your or, date. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So my, my girlfriend, when I was in high school, had a B2500 Mazda and had a bench seat and I would drive her Mazda and she would sit next to me. I put my arm See, around her while I drove. Like that. Exactly. Um, it was probably go. uncomfortable too, and she didn't. Care oh yeah, she, I felt. Yeah, got to yeah. Hug her, right? we, well, we were so. also like, you know, seventeen. So you so. didn't care. <laughs> um, so our bodies were not like nothing made us uncomfortable at that yes. point. So right, exactly. So so it has that, but it is. It's nice that it's still, even though it is a bench seat when it, or like it's what is it forty twenty forty? Did my math work? Yeah, forty twenty forty, or how they say it folds. Um, that seat when it's down, it's it actually you don't realize at first that it actually is one more seat like it still has a couple of cup holders and a couple little pods to put random stuff and you can even open it up and there's room inside so it's not as deep as something that didn't have a seat underneath it but you still have a nice little storage thing which i thought was kind of cool um i i enjoyed driving this i thought this was great i still love the i i still think this tailgate is my favorite of the tailgates i was playing around with it again and i'm like of the multiple tailgate configurations one can now so you're saying ford was not entirely accurate in their assessment that they won the tailgate war i don't know i don't know i tell you it's like the cola wars all over (laughs) and so many lost lives so many lost lives to to (laughs) so much wasted time (laughs) um although i'll tell you what i've never i've never seen people argue over something as they will about the tailgate on a truck i just sit back and grab the popcorn i'm like you guys all need to get a new (laughs) hobby you are arguing way too angrily this tailgate offends me yeah okay Ford, Chevy. I mean, that's all a, of them. Yeah, it's that's not a, a Ford That's guy an thing. argument. That's a, that's an argument that's been going on for decades. It's just a truck guy thing, but truck guys argue about everything. I feel like truck. That's yeah, the wrong. They shit got a lot red. of. How dare you make it that shit a red in nineteen? They got a lot of free time. Yeah, truck guys <laughs> have a lot of free time. Um, so they're very. They they most of them hate the new tailgate on the Ford. Like everybody I'm seeing, they hate it. But I like this one. I like because I think this one actually works. Like because it still just folds down, and you get a little piece that folds down into a really easy step to step up. I love how you can turn it into a step. And I know that we were talking about how they're sturdy, even the ones that look tiny and slim. I like that this step is like the entire tailgate like folds down. Like it's, I'm not going to die climbing up this one. So I really like the tailgate on this. What do you guys want? Let's see. Is it on here? I believe destination is on here. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. Um, 2200. Um, well, I should say $1, but I'm going to go with 1795. 
You still win even at seventeen ninety five. Was yeah. eighteen ninety five? Oh, too high. Good job. Too high, <laughs> Robbie. Too high. Too high. Um, so I mean, but in, in that include, you know, there's and the price I gave in the truck, the fifty three. There's you know, that's all the random bits and pieces that come with the extra stuff that you get with the the Z seventy one off road package. So it's got like a lift and it's got monotube shocks and skid plates and heavy duty air filter. Like it gets other little bits. It looks really cool. Oh my gosh, does it look cool? It's so high. <laughs> so I'm grabbing a little hand. So my left <laughs> bicep is now larger than my right one from pulling up on the grab handle to get inside every time. Um, I had this with my best friend for a drive that we did this weekend. And Nikki's like, what the heck? She went to grab and missed. Let me tell you, you missed that handhold and you're planning on grabbing that. It is a long fall to the ground when you realize it. Like, like, like oh. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm like, oh gosh, she's that's it. She's dead. Um, but so I liked it. So I really I enjoyed driving this. It was a you know I guess the good thing about having you know the the Sierra and the Silverado back to back is like you were saying you know it is the same company but it's not. They're both GM products, but they are two different branches, very two very different companies, and they share stuff like that fancy pants tailgate. But that inside you would never mistake this for a GMC product. Like they look entirely different. Um, so you know. It, GMC says they're supposed to be the premium, a premium brand. Compared professional to this, grade. Professional grade. Um, they feel like that. They feel like a more premium, more professional, more refined truck than this. This feels like the every guy's truck. That feels like the fancy guy's truck. So that's fancy my truck. My, yeah, fancy guy's truck. Um, so that was one thing that I was hanging around playing with this week. The other thing was like this crazy adventure. So I got to drive a Pol <laughs> it was a crazy adventure. I got to drive a Polaris Razor, you know, little Oh, nice. Piece. Oh yeah. Yeah, so the, they reached out to me in the spring because they had wanted me to do it as a part of like a, a women's drivers uh, day and I couldn't do it at the time. It just didn't work with my schedule. They said, "Well, you want to do it in the fall?" Uh -huh. And I said, "Sure." And they said, do you want to bring a friend? And I said, sure. Hence the best friend that fell out of the truck when she missed the grab handle. Um, <laughs> so we all, the two of us took the weekend and we went up to Bear Rock Outfitters, which is in um, technically Colebrook, New Hampshire, but it's basically up, it's up there. Like one wrong turn and you have made an illegal border crossing into Canada. You were really, really like Northern New Hampshire when you're up way there. out there, way out there. In fact, I was like tuning the radio and I, like, God, I can't get a radio station. I finally tune one. I'm like, why am I having such a hard time? Oh, they're speaking French. Like, I'm literally <laughs> tuning. I'm like, why can't, what's it fuzzy? What's going on? Uh, so we went to this Bear Rock Adventures because they're an official Polaris um, outfitter. They have like over 200 of them all over the place. And they exclusively rent Polaris vehicles. And they can set you up with, you know, uh, an area where you're driving, where it's okay. Because you can't just contrary to what people think you can't just take this and run through the farmer's field next door you'll destroy his field like you have to use these in areas now like if 18. you were in fact a farmer and it was your farm and your field yes would you be allowed to do that i suppose if you chose to ruin your own field you could okay. but if you just drove it on someone's private property and ruined their field then you would be in trouble okay in fact it is the guys from northwoods law have you ever seen that show uh -uh. okay what? northwoods law Northwoods Law. You've never seen Northwoods is it, Law? Is, is this is this like uh, it's you know, a real show? Uh, was it Law and Order set in the in the backwoods of uh, New England? Yes, it's not necessarily New England. Like they actually have, 
Like they, they're different seasons are in different places. They could be in New Hampshire. They could be in Michigan. They could be in California. They could be in Texas, but it's, we call it fishing game here. It's not called the exact same thing everywhere, but it's always the fishing game guys, the guys who are out there when you try to poach a bear, or also if you're riding your ATV irresponsibly or going too fast, they will give you a ticket. You can get a ticket yeah. for going to well, here, here in Michigan, it's the Department of Natural Resources, the DNR. Okay. See, so they all have a different title, but they're the same guys, just different states give them different titles. Um, so, yeah. So we're up there in the Northwoods, which is perfect. The, um, In fact, they told us, hey, guys, just so you know, the speed limit is 25 miles an hour unless there's one that says less. Like every now and then there's a spot where you have to go like 10 or maybe 20 if it goes close near someone's home or property out there. <laughs> and then slow down. And I'm like, I just don't want to be on an episode of Northwoods Law. Please don't <laughs> let me get caught speeding. Right? That was my whole goal. I kept saying, don't let me be on Northwoods Law. Sure enough, Nikki's driving and the guy's there with a little speed gun. And I'm like, how fast are you going? She's like, we'll find out in a second. <laughs> a radar gun in the middle of the woods? <laughs> yes. You come around a corner. There's a guy in a uniform and they look like the state police do in New Hampshire, like a green shirt and like tan pants. They look like police officers sitting there in his little ATV with a radar gun. He goes, as you come around the corner, we were not speeding. Um, and then a little good. later on, the same guy was behind us. If you think it's disconcerting to have like a cop behind you on a highway, imagine on an ATV going through the mud. It's super, <laughs> super disconcerting. Um, but yeah, we did not manage to get um, in trouble with the popo. So I guess I, we were happy with that. No episode of Northwoods Law for me. But so we rented these and or they rented these for us. They had us go out and drive and they wanted us to just kind of experience what it's like to drive one, what the sort of, and to sort of see the, like the fun part of it, like you can own one and you can have it in your driveway and you can go do this every weekend. But like they're, they had a package here. So you literally, you go and they called it glamping. It, it really wasn't glamping. It was more like a very large safari, safari style tent with a wooden floor, <laughs> but there's like no power. There's no running water. So you're, you're kind of camping, but a nicer tent than normal. How's that? Yeah. It still feels um, like glamping. <laughs> no, it was unless not. you're in the middle of nowhere and you got nothing. You had to like, it, it was like for me, pretty... camping is like nowhere. Like there's not a car's not nearby. See, like you had to go out like there. So, yeah. but it was. But That's they the only. Did... I didn't realize there was other camping as a child. There I didn't is... realize you could like <laughs> rent places to camp. I didn't like... camp until I was like 22, so I didn't have any perception <laughs> beyond that. My parents never went camping, but so you could rent, and then you could the place you would have your tent. We were at like meadow ground or something. It was our little tent site. And then you can take, you go pick up your razors like right around the corner and then they drive you up your tent. So you have it parked right at your tent along with whatever vehicle you have. And you can literally go right from there onto all these trails. And there's a huge number of trails, like endless miles. We went for a trail, like a drive where they guided us for like the first four hours. And then they said, have at it, go do your own thing. And you do have like a little GPS. In fact, I feel like the screen inside the razor might've been the same size or larger than the screen inside the Silverado, but whatever. Um, and it has little maps, you know, so you can say from here to here, they have different waypoints and it shows you. And so when you inevitably think that you're going the right direction, you're not, you can see the red line is to your right. So you want to find a trail that takes you back to the right line. Um, it was super fun. Like we had a ridiculously fun time and I got so muddy. I swear to God, my, I had mud. I, I didn't know I could get as muddy as I got. Um, we made a wrong turn and we went through just like, it was a mud pit. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, it was we through what was called as the mud pit the mud pit the mud pit we went through and i went through it um because i drove up we went to lunch at this place up in pittsburgh and came back down i drove up to pittsburgh i was the one who found the wrong way i went through the mud pit 
And then Nikki drove back and I was as delicate as one can be driving through a mud pit where the mud is like up the level of the bottom of the vehicle that you're driving. Nikki was like, to heck with that. We're almost back to camp. And she went through and made as much of a mess as humanly possible. Like roots <laughs> yeah. everywhere. That's the mud way you do it goggles, in a Polaris Ranger. Every, yes. And I got to say, it was really fun. Although it doesn't taste great. I was like, no, mm, no, I don't need that for lunch. That's good. But thank you, Nose. I'm trying to wipe mud out of my mouth. Uh, but we had an unbelievably fun time. And it was neat, too, to see, like, first of all, it's super easy. And there's all these, like, have you done this? There's, like, hand signals. So they know how many is in your party. I was trying, like, why is everybody, like, sticking one, two, three. So the first person, if there's, like, three of you, say the three of us. Oh, right? the three vehicles, you mean? Yeah, if there's, like, oh, three vehicles. Yeah. And you do like, if I was first, I'm supposed to sit, pull up two fingers because there's two people behind me. Mm -hmm. And then you would hold up one finger because there's one person behind you, Sam. And the Roberto, you just do like a hand, like an angry fist. If you're and zero. Because you so, the so you know when it's one. clear for somebody going the opposite direction. Exactly. So yeah. you know when it's clear. So when you're doing that thing where you're like hugging the trees and getting branches in your face, you're like, can I get out of the trees yet? And you can get back over. Um, although we discovered some ETV guys are really bad at counting. It would be like five, two. One, we're like, wait, what, did you lose a couple people? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> those people numbers, yeah, Things those don't happen. work. Yeah, um, so it was, it was very fun. It was a neat experience. It was something that was fun enough that I like said to Russ when I got home. I said, we should really like do this, like in the summer next year. Like, get a bunch of people, go up there, all rent this giant cabin, get a bunch of stuff to barbecue and sit out there, or this giant tent, sit out there, and then you just take these razors right to wherever you, you want to go. And there were so many people out because it's like the end of the season here. It's like in the mid 40s when we woke up in the morning so it's getting cold up north and chilly. there's only yeah a little chilly so there's only so much time they have left but everyone was so nice like there were some people that were stopping to get a picture and we were like do you guys they're like trying to <laughs> they're trying to prop their phone on their cooler to make it the right angle <laughs> they stopped it's like would you want to keep doing that or do you want us to take a picture and they're like we'd love it if you'd help <laughs> um so, you know, people are friendly and nice. And, you know, anytime someone's pulled over, you, you know, that looked randomly in trouble, you could see other people like, are you, are you good or do you need an assist? We're not <laughs> just going to leave you here. So it was a nice little community. And I love, you can tell who owns their vehicle versus maybe who rented. Like we obviously had a rented vehicle. The owned vehicles, people trick them out. They make me think of like truck drivers who put all sorts of lights on their cars there's like wavy little antenna light things in the back in a variety of colors, like woo, 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 as they're driving around. They've got happy little banners and flags and all sorts of stuff. It was it, it was fun to watch. It's a fun little community, and I didn't think I would enjoy. I thought I would have fun with that. Like this is going to be kind of fun. I didn't realize I'd have enough fun that I'd be thinking, I want to do this next summer again. I want to come up here for a weekend. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd actually like to suggest uh, a little adventure because uh, one of the one of the people I met when I was at the Detroit auto show last yeah. week was um, somebody from Polaris. They oh. had, they had the Polaris Ranger XP kinetic there, yeah. which is an electric, a battery electric version of the Ranger. Is that actually out yet? Or it, is that a, it, it is, I, I believe it is out imminently. Okay. Um, and so one of the things they've, they've done is they have, um, they've done this, they partnered with the, uh, uh, was it the, they're doing a pilot program with the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, okay. uh, MEDC, and this um, outfitter that rents off-road vehicles up in northern Michigan, up in up in the Upper Peninsula. Okay. And mm -hmm. they there's they're setting up a like 100 mile loop 
Whoa. And um, they're they've got going to have three charging stations along the loop. And so you, you'll be able to rent these electric uh, rangers uh, no and take this loop. You know, and they've got stuff along the loop, you know, that you can check out. Like 100 and do. miles in an ATV is a lot of miles. Yeah. So you must this must be like just are there like camps, places to campsite and stuff along the you way. You just ride till your yeah. butt falls off. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> that would um, be cool. And is it that's going to be launching. It's going to be launching next spring. So spring 2024. <gasps> we could do that. And then we could be yeah. a little posse with the holding up the Ab- two fingers. Absolutely. And the one finger uh, in the zero yeah. We could all go together. Yeah. Make a big mess. I get to go in front because then when the mud goes, we, it we can goes all bring our you. spouses and it goes on us. It yeah. goes on you guys. Yeah. That would be that actually would be so stupidly fun. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. It'd be cool <laughs> to see how that would work though. The EV charging thing. See, there's your big challenge again. Are the well, EV that's that's part of the adventure. Robust? That's part of the adventure. <laughs> You're now walking through the mud because yeah. you cannot charge your vehicle. <laughs> well, they're, like I said, they're 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 gonna have uh, solar powered charging stations okay. um, along the route. So three three solar powered charging stations along the route, um, and they'll also have um, like. Uh, other other sources of power as well, in addition to solar. Did they um, say how far they're supposed to go on one charge before you would need to charge them? Um, no, I put you on the I, spot. I can't remember this. exactly, but that's okay. No it will it will be enough to get you you know from one station to the next. To the next. Yeah, I would totally be down for that. Wait, and then it's going to be super quiet. Hold exactly. Because my brain is just absorbing this because the only thing that is actually tough, I mean, they're loud. They're it's this is not a quiet sport when you're just driving. Right. No, well, especially, you know, especially, you know, the, the gas powered ATVs, you know, they are pretty noisy. Yeah. This These is are like noisy. motorcycle engines. Like you start this up and you're like, you're going 25 miles an hour, no faster. Northwoods law, only 25 miles an hour. And you sound like you're going 80, <laughs> like they're loud, right? They really sound loud. So having one that was an EV, yeah. That'd be cool. Oh, I find that even more intriguing. I think, I think, I think I we'll need, have to do this. I think I need to yeah. explore this now because I find it really interesting. <laughs> Field trip. Field trip. Yeah. yeah it's a, it's, let's see. It's a, it's a 110 mile uh, or 110 horsepower electric motor, okay. um, 140 foot pounds of torque, 14 inches of ground clearance, uh, 30 kilowatt hour battery, 80 miles, oh, 80 miles of range. <clears throat> Which is a lot because it like, it doesn't sound like a lot if you were driving a car on the highway, but you're not probably driving 80 miles. Like that's a long way if you're slogging yeah. through mud and stuff. And they'll, they'll have chargers about every 30 miles along this route that there's this loop that they're setting up. So you'd have more than enough to get through before you would run out of juice. It should be. Yeah. That's, that's the plan. That's the theory. We that, can test that. I don't know if I want to test it quite that much. Like let <laughs> someone else do the first hundred miles and then we'll do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they'll have all those details worked out before that's they really launch cool. it. So yeah. yeah. So I, I would to- see if you told me about that before, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this, but now that I've done this one here, yeah. at this adventure and, and had like the vehicle was so fun and had such a good time with it. I'm like, I could do this. I I can see how this would be fun to do. I can see how it would be a cool way to just hang out with your friends, your family. Like the cutest thing you see little kids. You have you don't have to wear a helmet. I don't think in New Hampshire we did because we had to for the place we were at. But you don't have to. But kids do. So you see these kids with these huge helmets. You'll see this little bobble yeah. hat, a bobblehead. <laughs> so you see them from the back. There's the adult helmet, and then just this little tiny head in the seat next to it, bouncing back and forth. Aww. So yeah, it was really cute to see these families and stuff. So it was a nice. It was cool. I would do it again. I found it. I found it more fun than I expected, and um, about as muddy as I expected. So, all right, wow. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. 
a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Did you know you can support wheel bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com slash WheelBearingsMedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to Patreon.com slash WheelBearingsMedia. Robbie. Yes? You had something just like the Ranger Polaris, right? I had something exactly <laughs> like the Ranger Polaris. You have four I wheels, had- right? I had it had four wheels. I had um I mean I guess I could drive. So it's basically the same thing. Same basically thing. The same. Exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. I oh drove the Cadillac Escalade V. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you loved it. This is why. Why? <laughs> why? I, I mean I guess I understand you you I I want an Escalade, but I also want to go ridiculously fast why i don't know i just because i can i suppose i don't so this escalade has a supercharged 6.2 look at it this way people that are buying this are helping to subsidize the electric future at general motors i guess i sure (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's 682 horsepower 553 pound feet of torque um it is it's an escalade it's big and fancy and nice inside and comfortable and but it's mostly big like i'm lording over pickup trucks while i'm driving this thing i'm just like it's like a it's like a like a locomotive just barreling down the freeway it's it's just there's a lot it's a lot so you know it has that big engine in there every time you turn it on And everyone's looking around, and they're looking at every car but the Escalade you're sitting in. <laughs> yeah, because nobody expects you know this big aircraft carrier to be that loud and that fast. Yes, exactly. That's exactly, that. and and it's it is loud and it is fast, and I, that's and that's my my biggest issue with this vehicle is this something this large shouldn't be this fast. It doesn't. Why? Why? Why does something this big need to go zero to sixty in four and a half seconds? <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, we're fortunate that as you know, as as humans on the road, that it has uh, some nice uh, Brembo brakes. Uh, the brakes work really well. I wanted to make sure that was like my biggest concern. I'm like, I hope people aren't buying this, and then like, there's just these shoddy brakes. <laughs> no, it's got good. It's got nice. It's got nice brakes. I'm. It's got like six piston uh, front brakes, so that's good. To stop all of that weight <laughs> that you're just barreling down the street with i uh, it's you know 
it's a it's a lot. It's a it's a it's a lot. It has a Super Cruise. I use Super Cruise. Um, you know, it's funny. I was driving in Michigan last week, week before. Doesn't matter. And recently. there's like a recently, and you got you guys you guys have these turns on the freeway, and suddenly the dotted lines turn into like uh, solid lines. So you don't yeah going up I seventy five. Yeah, for these like long meandering turns, and I'm just like. What's going on in this state that people you can't trust people to pass each other on these very long, very easy corners? <laughs> and California's like, here's a like a here's a ninety degree turn on the freeway. Everyone's doing seventy. Figure it out. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, for um, all these you know tighter than Michigan turns uh, that I drive, uh, Super Cruise did a great job. Stayed in the lane. Um, you know, it's getting better and better every time I use it. There was one thing where the steering wheel for the Escalade was always sort of twitching back and forth on some parts. That seems Just, wrong. Uh, it was weird. It, like it stayed in its lane. The truck wasn't really twitching, but the wheel was like kind of twitching. And then eventually it sort of stopped doing that. And I was just like, <laughs> well, what's happening here? <laughs> weird. So if you're in the car, it's sort of it that that was a little disturbing. But I, I wonder if. Yeah, because a lot of the the highways that you were probably on were they're they're made of concrete around here, and you know they're they're grooved concrete, and so maybe those big tires on the Escalade V, those uh, performance maybe. tires are probably grabbing those grooves and it's kind of twitching. You know what? Pulling There's... it a little bit one way or the other, and and the Super Cruise is just trying to keep up with it. Uh, if I were going north instead of south on the on the roads, because north is it turns on the concrete because there's a lot of big trucks that drive on that road because they have the refineries and uh-huh. they have some other things over there, um, so they have a lot of trucks that sort of tear up the uh, the freeway. But as you go driving south, that sort of goes away and it's just it's just regular asphalt, and it was still doing it there. But you know, it's it's like it stayed where it's supposed to. It did what it's supposed to do. Um, I didn't and your hands like, weren't on the wheel anyway, so what does it matter? Well, no, that's the thing. Is I, 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 what am I going to do with my hands? Again, it's like it's it's like Talladega Nights when they interview Ricky Bobby for the first time on the TV, and he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. That's that's me in every hands-free system. Like, what do I do? Do I put them in my lap? Do I put them in the air? Do I eat something? Like, what do I drink? And so I just end up just sort of resting them on the steering wheel because there's nowhere else to put them. Do I just put them in my lap? Like, it's weird. So... <laughs> I, I am just an awesome, uh, an odd guy. I apologize for that. Uh, overall, you know, it's big, it's comfortable. It's, you know, it, it's got the air ride adaptive suspension, which is really fun because whenever you get out of the car, it, it, <laughs> it lowers itself, you know, in case you need to put things in and out of the vehicle, but you'll be just sitting at a light and if the light take, ter- takes too long. The car just starts lowering. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like settle down. Okay. We, we're not even, we haven't stopped. I don't, I haven't put you in park. Just, chill out um yeah it's it's again i'm just gonna keep saying it's a lot um well if if it makes you feel any better the escalade v did you have the v or the esv the so the standard length or the the long wheelbase oh i just had the standard length okay so the curb weight of that vehicle is 6217 pounds which is still less than the hummer like by, yeah, like a whole like a whole Honda Accord less than the yeah, Hummer. it's three thousand pounds less than the Hummer and the upcoming Escalade IQ, which it weighs about the same as the Hummer. Yeah, so you so got back on three thousand pounds less than the electric one. Yeah, so which 
again, these 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 very large vehicles don't need to be going that fast. Um, all wheel drive, I'm sure. It doesn't doesn't really matter. I, there's no way I could test that. It's a nice day. It's been nice up here. There's no <laughs> seems like rain. It <laughs> I'm sure it worked. It was fine. Um, uh, this 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 uh, beast gets a, a whopping 13 miles per gallon. Woohoo! Mind uh, 11 city 16 highway. I barely had it in in sport mode because. I'm just driving around the freeway. I'm like, where am I going to like, what am I going to do with this thing? You can't really take it on back roads and go fast because it's still a big, tall vehicle. <laughs> so it's just like flopping back and forth around corners because it's not really something that should be doing that. Take it to a track uh, day at Sonoma. Take it to a track day. And you're just like, oh, down that straight. And then you're like, hold on. You got to go up the hill. Okay, well, we can get this hill. Oh, gosh, this is off camera. Oh, now I'm dead. Now I'm dead. Wow, um, bad fast. <laughs> I think I had like 12 miles per gallon while I was driving it around, which, you know, you're buying this thing. It's, you know, you don't care. There was, yeah. <laughs> there was a point. For... There was a point last night where it's just like all the time. And it's like, all right, fine. But we were driving back from a show. My band had a show and I was giving the bass player a ride home. And we we're driving by all these these police officers are parked alongside the road and they had pulled a bunch of people over and I kind of took my foot off the accelerator. And then as I got right next to him, I'm like, Bleh. <laughs> I don't know why. Cause you're 12. Everybody's Cause I am. 12. Cause I am still, I'm 12. So you're I'm, I'm your 12 year old. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there complaining about how this, this vehicle is just too much to me. And then as soon as I have the opportunity next to a bunch of police officers, blah. <laughs> See, I'm you would problem. have been on an episode of Northwoods Law. <laughs> I would have been. No, I, I wasn't speeding. That's all. <laughs> yeah, but you know, with the all-wheel drive, you could have gone into the Northwoods with that thing. There I could go. have. I could have. I probably would have high-centered at some at some point. Yeah. But uh, I could have. Um, and I'd be comfortable. You know, yeah. Massage seats on. There's a lot of room. And what you know what I do like is in the center console, uh, in between the front seats, if you lift it up, you can put things in it, and then you can cool it. It's like a little cooler. Oh, it's like a little oh. fridge. Yeah, so you can put your drinks in there and and you know have the nice drinks. So that was my. I was like, ooh, I like this part. <laughs> I think this should be in every car. <laughs> have some have a some little, chilled Red Bulls in there. You know. Yeah, ex- that's exactly what I put in there. Except I did try to put. I I forgot that I left it on. I tried to put food in there, and I'm like, oh no, no, no. Now the food's gonna be cold. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, but if you're picking up ice cream from the oh, store, yeah, and perfect. then it turns out oh, you have to do another, like you have to do another errand. You're like a surprise errand. You're like, oh no, I have this ice cream. What am I going to do? Oh, I can just put in this nice little thing. So that's pretty cool. And I think that's really what makes the $150,000 price tag totally worth it. <laughs> the chilled compartment in the center console. <laughs> a hundred it's all, and it's all about that. Yeah. 150 thousand American Oof. dollars. Uh, super crew. Now, now the one I drove was one fifty four. 865. So the one I drove is 155. Um, that's because uh, it had Super Cruise, $2,500. And then that little refrigerator that I love, 700 bucks. <laughs> Would you it says refrigerator with freeze. I think I, I, you know what? If, if I, right. he was going to say, if yes, I had, people. here's the thing, you know how I, I love the idea of like the Ford Maverick, like just mm-hmm. the XL mm-hmm. with the, the Steelys. And all you do is you spray the bed liner and maybe get that little, that little cover. I would pay the extra seven hundred dollars for the refrigerator over like adaptive cruise control or cruise control in that vehicle. <laughs> I would ever rather have that little refrigerator in a truck than I would um, like any sort of a, a, a driver's assistance system. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah. So I would get Forget a Ford Maverick. I, I would get the twenty. You know, it's not twenty. You know, twenty thousand or twenty-one thousand. It's not cheap anymore. But <laughs> if they offered it. 
<laughs> of all the things, I'm like, you don't need any of this. It's a truck. It's a rugged thing. But still, I would like to keep my things cold because I'm a fancy little boy. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Cadillac, Escalade, it was all-wheel drive or full-wheel drive. Uh, the V-Series, it's, it's crazy if you are a fan of the Escalade. Uh, you're like big, giant things with three uh rows or you have to you know take a base rig to a show plenty of room lots of there's so much room we're like oh we should have brought the drums with us too but if you really just if you if you just want that engine just get a ct5 blackwing yeah yeah i should definitely oh my god i love that ct5 blackwing so much Me too. Yeah, and you can the, get that with a manual transmission, which you can't get exactly. at the Escalade. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, what one hundred fifty five thousand dollars? Um, you guys want to guess what the destination charge was? I'm gonna 10 guess. It. Go ahead. Ten ninety five. Ten ninety five. I'm I'm gonna go with eighteen ninety five. Boom on the money. Eighteen ninety five. Because I mean, yeah, same. It's Cadillac. Same, yeah. Well, it, you know, as same as, as same as the the full size pickups. That's true. yeah, yeah. It too is exactly you. like a Sierra or a Silverado. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's you know if you don't care about how much gas cost, um, and you you do absolutely positively have to wake up your neighbors every time you turn your car on. This is the giant SUV to get, <laughs> the Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. <laughs> so it's anything but laggy, the Cadillac Escalade uh, V Series. Um, yeah. Or get the Blackwing, which is the the CT5, which is that's really the better place to put your money, and you don't yeah. have to drag a bunch of extra people around with you. That's true. <laughs> that's my 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 uh, my takeaway is this. You know what? Get rid of some friends. That's my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of your friends. Get rid of some uh, of those friends. You don't need them all. I mean, come on. <laughs> all right. Well, I had um, I also had basically the same thing. Um, four wheels, uh, four doors, yeah, at a at a rear hatch, um, and and mine was red. It was nice, bright red. Uh, it was the uh, twenty twenty three Toyota Prius Prime XSE. So the, um, the Prius and the Escalade and the Silverado, I often mix those up. They're so uh, yeah. similar, all of them. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> the so so this is the. Um, the, the, finally, the first attractive Prius um, after 25 yeah. years on the market. Right. Yeah, uh, that's that's the most true thing we've ever said. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny when you look at this thing in profile, it, it's almost a straight line from the front edge of the hood across the windshield up to the middle of the the roof, um, and it's angled. I, I actually put my phone. I turned and put uh, open the camera app because it. In my in the camera app on my phone, it shows when you tilt your your phone, it shows you the angle, how far off horizontal you are. And I put it on the A pillar, twenty degrees. So the A pillar and the windshield are tilted at twenty degrees above the horizontal. So this thing is like a wedge, um, <laughs> and and a very shallow wedge at that. Um, but it's you know it's a it's a great looking car. Um, the uh, uh, plug-in hybrid powertrain on there so you can get it as just a you know like any prius ever built you can get it as a standard hybrid or you can get the plug-in hybrid um the plug-in hybrid gets uh see i took i i drove it uh i actually drove it to the detroit auto show um and it's about 35 miles from my home 
to Huntington Place where the the auto show was, and still had charge left in the battery. And I got about seven or six miles back before the engine finally turned on. Uh, so forty one miles. That's that was highway driving. You know, hmm. seventy five miles an hour. Uh, so if you're driving around town, you can easily, you should easily be able to get this thing into the mid forties, mid to upper forties. Um, as long as you're not, you know, constantly on the accelerator. Um, it's got good performance, a lot more performance than any Prius of the past, uh, more powerful engine, more powerful electric motors, 220 horsepower altogether, uh, from the powertrain in this thing. Uh, you know, if you plug it in at night, you know, plug it in each night, most people are going to be able to do all their driving on, you know, without ever using any gas. And, you know, when I, when I first drove this thing, was it last, was it last fall, early this year, early this year, um, in, uh, in San Diego, the, uh, the, the, the thing, thing we noticed, you know, thing I noticed about it, looking at it in person for an extended period of time and then driving it, was this this is the car that if GM had not canceled the Chevy Volt, this could very easily have been the third generation Chevy Volt. This you know, this is what the, the Volt yeah. could have evolved into. And um and, and it's a missed opportunity for GM. You know, I think they, they should have kept it around, but they didn't. Um there are, you know, in order to get this interesting new look, you know, there are some things that Toyota had to sacrifice, um, you know, getting in and out of the car. If you are tall or larger um, because of the, the, the way that roof line is cut down so steeply uh, or the, rather the, the, the windshield is cut down so steeply. I know when we were at the, the drive program in California earlier this year, um, a, a couple of front, a couple of uh, my colleagues um, did have some challenges getting in and out, both in the back seat and the front seat. Um, but you know, if it fits you, uh, this this is absolutely a car that you should consider if you if you want to go electric, but you're not quite ready to fully commit to a battery electric vehicle, but you want a really nice looking you know car to do all your daily driving. You know, it's got plenty of cargo space in the back um, and you don't need to haul around 16 people. Uh, you know, you want, you want a, a car for, you know, to have some fun with, and you can have fun with this because it's got decent performance. Um, then this is absolutely something you should consider that the Prius prime starts at about $33,000. Um, <clears> the XSE that I had uh, had the optional glass roof um, and it has the um, the 12.3 inch Toyota multimedia system, their their infotainment system. So it's the same infotainment system we've seen on all the new Toyotas and Lexi over the last uh, year and a half or so. I think starting with the uh, the Lexus NX when it launched a couple of years ago, and the Tundra and and all the other stuff that's come out since then. Uh, so it's a good infotainment system. Has support for wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. Um, and this one came out to a grand total of $38,855. And guesses on the delivery charge? Ooh. Um, $895. Nicole? $1095. Right on. Exactly $1095. Really? Man, I am just, I'm batting a yeah. thousand losing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, this this one was in supersonic red. Um, and dun, 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 I, dun. I really like driving it. 
it, it was it was really nice to drive. It was it was a lot of fun. I had, had a good time with this, uh, which I never thought I would say with a Prius. Yeah. <laughs> and unlike the last generation really, Prius, it was it, nice, and I had a good time. Did not hurt my eyes to look at it. Oh, yeah, because the well, last one did hurt your eyes, yeah. didn't it? Oof. Oh yeah, and and one thing that that surprised me about it was even with that windshield being so steeply raked. There, there wasn't really any reflections off of it, you know, because a lot of times when you have a really steep windshield like that, you'll get a lot of reflections off the top of the dashboard and whatever Toyota has done in, with the, the texturing and the contouring of those shapes, or maybe it's the coating of the glass. I don't know, but I, there was no problem at all with reflections. So that was, that was really a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, so, and, and also when the battery does run out, you're still going to get 50 miles per gallon with this thing because it's, you know, it's a Prius after all. Right. So. Still going to get 50 miles per gallon. Save yeah. money's on the gas. Yep. Absolutely right. So that's the uh, 2023 Prius Prime XSE. Um, all right. Let's move on to some other stuff. Uh, let's let's stick with plug-in hybrids for a minute. Uh, Ford announced a new plug-in hybrid this week. Um, it's in the Ranger. And you can't have one. Gosh dang well, it. Or at least well, if might... at least if you live in North America, you can't have one. If you live in the UK. Yeah. yeah. If you, the dream. you don't live in the UK. That doesn't help. If, if if you live in Australia, New Zealand, Europe, or the UK, because UK is not part of Europe anymore, um, then oh. you you will be able to get the Ford Ranger plug in hybrid um starting uh, sometime in twenty twenty four. So and, there you go. If you're looking for a Toyota ton, the Toyota Tacoma and you're like, oh, I can get a hybrid. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can get the Ranger. And you're in America. You're like, oh, never mind. I'll just get the Tacoma, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, no no, no hybrid or plug-in hybrid version of the Ranger here. Uh, you, if you want an electrified pickup from Ford in North America, you're going to have to get a Maverick or uh, an F-150 um, with the Lightning uh, for all electric or, or the regular hybrid. Uh, but for the uh, for the Ranger plug-in hybrid, it's got the 2.3 liter EcoBoost, so the same engine that you get in that we're getting in the Ranger here, uh, but with a battery and an electric motor. That uh, let's see, it's a range of 45 kilometers, so about 30 miles, uh, and that's probably WLTP, so probably somewhere between 25, 26 miles uh, EPA uh, if we were if we were able to get it here. Um, and this will also be the only Ranger that has Pro Power on board. I don't think that they're offering Pro Power on the the oh, non-hybrid Ranger here. <laughs> um, so yeah, you'd be able to plug in all your stuff, you know, power your house off of this thing. Um, it's got um, towing capacity of thirty-five hundred kilograms, so that's about uh, uh, about almost eight thousand pounds. Um, so yeah, uh, unfortunately. Right now, at least, Ford is not saying anything about offering this in North America. We'll probably get it eventually. When, maybe. Sam? When? Um, Make some calls, well, Sam. Actually, it's, 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 this is yeah, this is yeah, this is launching early 2025, not 2024. Um, so they they did announce the Ranger glo globally about almost a year before we saw it in North America. Anyway. So it's possible that sometime between now and the end of next year, we will see the see the range, you know, see the plug-in hybrid Ranger announced for North America as well. They're just not saying it right now. If you ask Ford, which I did, 
You know, they say <laughs> we've got the the Maverick Hybrid, we've got the the F one fifty Power Boost, and the F one fifty Lightning. So we, you know, that's what that's what we have now, and we're not saying anything else. We're not talking about any future product. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the the other plug in hybrid this week is the third generation Volkswagen Tiguan. Um, which uh, was just announced, and what the the with the second generation, they did two versions of the Tiguan, basically they're basically the same but longer wheelbase one that was originally designed for the Chinese market, and that's the one that they brought to North America. So we never got the the standard wheelbase second generation Tiguan, um, and what they're showing, what they showed this week was the second gen or third generation standard wheelbase Tiguan. And um, they said that the longer wheelbase version for China and North America will be introduced soon. But interesting thing about this one, they they have a plug-in hybrid option on this um, with 100-kilometer range. That's 62-mile range, electric range, and DC fast charging, which is unusual on a plug-in hybrid. That is. What do you think of the looks of this Tiguan, this new Tiguan? That's fine. I mean, it looks like a SUV, like a crossover. That's yeah. I mean, I, I like it better than the I like it better than the second gen, the one we oh, have yeah. now. It's yeah, yeah, definitely much improvement. Nicer. I yeah, think it looks, looks better. Nicer. It's an improvement. Like it's it's still a Tiguan, but it's a better yeah. Tiguan. Yeah. All Look right. That color in there, Oof, the one they have in this press release. <laughs> yeah. It's searing it's... my eyeballs. Is that an orange? That is an orange. Oh, orange, orange red, red, something like that. Yeah. Oh, and look at the interior shot. Oh, it just continues right onto the inside. Yeah, we got uh, lots, lots of, uh, lots of um, ambient the... lighting, accent Wait, lighting. Look at the lights on the door panels. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. What is that sparkly? Not the straight line bits, but the top, like right by the door handle. It's for discos. It's a discotheque thing. And yeah. On the dashboard is. to the right of the infotainment screen. Yeah. It's going to give Mercedes a run for its money in the discotheque front. Discotheque. Uh, I think. I think maybe they're trying to copy the uh, the whole Hyundai Pixel mm. theme because it's kind of that, that kind of the Pixel theme. Uh, it does yeah. have the Hyundai Pixel, Pixel vibe. I wonder if yeah. it dances around. Just like woo. Dare to dream. <laughs> Dare to. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to play with that. Woo. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, next up. Um, our buddies at TFL, um, our, our good friends at TFL, uh, in this case, it was uh, Andre and uh, Case doing the test. Um, well, TFL, they're one of the first outlets to get their hands on the Chevy Silverado EV, um, the W the 4WT version, the same one that we, at least that I drove. I don't know if you got, did you get a chance to drive it this summer when they did their little drive program here? Okay. I wasn't sure if you were here, Nicole. No, nope, but I, I, didn't. I, I did. I did get a, a short drive in it uh, back in August, I think July or August. Um, but uh, they, they gave one to TFL to do a bunch of testing with, and they're doing all their, their usual stuff with it. Um, and the, one of the, the first things that they did and published yesterday, as we're recording this on Sunday evening um, was um, towing test. So they, they took, Silverado EV and uh, an F-150 hybrid um, hooked up 6,500 pound trailers and um, they started driving, um, doing doing a highway drive, driving towards Nebraska and then turning around and coming back. Uh, And the, you know, one of the the big complaints about the F-150 is not, you know, how much it can tow, but how far it can tow Mm -hmm. with the lightning, Uh, you know, and, the, the trailer that, that 
that uh, these guys were using was, you know, a big box trailer. You know, they were, they put, uh, in fact, one of them, I think the, the Silverado, they actually had a Ranger, a Polaris Ranger in it. Um, that that they've they really? also been testing, yeah. <laughs> <That's> uh, <awesome. laughs> and, uh, and then um, I forget what they had in the other one, but the the trailers, you know, these are big, tall trailers, so they're above the 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 roof height of the the truck, and they're wide, and um, uh, they uh, sixty five hundred pounds each, and they wanted to see how far they could tow with the the Silverado EV, and you know, certainly I've complained about the weight of this thing. It is very very heavy um but that's because partly because it's got a massive battery in it um how far do you think uh they got with the with this thing i already looked at this the thing okay. so it's, i feel like i'm cheating nicole you want to guess can i guess in for how far what is opposed to how, how far how far did they manage to drive at highway speeds towing this trailer at highway speeds what was the what's the range on this again um, it's It's going to be rated at 450 miles. Everyone says it always works out terribly. 225. Pretty close. I think they went like 234. Okay. Cause I was going to say about Good half job. is what I yeah. felt like it would be. Right. Half. And, and that's, you know, that's typically what you're going to get, especially with a trailer like this half or a little bit less, you know, a lot depends on the, the shape of the trailer, how tall it is. Um, and, uh, you know, so this one was not a particularly aerodynamic trailer, uh, and with a lightning, you know, I think in most cases with, with a lightning towing a trailer like this, you'd probably get somewhere around 125 to 130 miles at best, maybe closer to 100. Um, and they got over 230 miles with this, which is pretty impressive. That's still a lot. Yeah, that's still a good. I mean, it's not like it was five miles. I mean, it halves it, yeah. but it's still pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can get if you can get this kind of range, um, you know, with with an EV you know, at, th at that point, you're going to need to stop for a break anyway. Um, yeah. You know, to that's about five hours behind the wheel. That's a long time. Yeah. For most, especially now, most people know. Um, and then when they when they finished, they took it to an Electrify America charger, and they saw a peak charging speed of 366 kilowatts. That's uh, a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of watts. That's a lot of watts. Um, and the, uh, when they, they filled up the F-150, uh, and they were running on premium gas in the F-150 cause it was, um, it, it was, you know, it's got an EcoBoost engine in there. Actually, it wasn't a hybrid. It was just the three, five EcoBoost. Yeah. So it wasn't a hybrid. It was just the standard gas EcoBoost. Um, it cost them $99 to fill up the F-150 charging the Silverado, a, a DC fast charger. 98 bucks save so, a buck yeah so you save don't dollar it you know it, that's this so that's, is the thing about dc charging you're not necessarily if you're going to dc charge all the time you may not actually be saving much money well if you live in california you are because our gas is like yeah. almost six bucks a gallon now okay again but then but, again our electricity uh, is really yeah. expensive too yeah but if you charge yeah, at home it's going to be a lot more cost oh, yeah, effective it's a lot. Yeah. Wait, makes, yeah. Whenever I charge at the charging station, I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm playing for this. I get this, well, not for free, but for way less at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so, you have a gas station at your house and they're only charging like a buck. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to get some gas down the street sure. for four bucks. Yeah. Sucker. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still not thrilled about the weight of the Silverado EV. But if you, if you need an electric truck for towing long distances, 
this is definitely your choice right now. This is this is the one to get. Sweet. That would be cool. All right. Um, and in the past, it used to be diesels that diesel trucks that were the ones to get for towing long distances. But you know, diesels are just starting to fade away. But even even in Europe, they still sell quite a few diesels. But soon, no more from Volvo. They're killing no their diesels. Diesel. I feel like nobody really wants diesels anymore. I know they were the thing, but I feel like they're getting kicked to the curb by everybody. Yeah, Dieselgate well, didn't help. Yeah, it just yeah, Dieselgate <laughs> kind of was bad for it. Turn, yeah. turn, turns out, clean diesel wasn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Europe diesels are huge, like way more than here in the United States. Like a lot of people, because you're paying a little bit more, but you get such better gas mileage, and gas is so expensive over there, or petrol. Sorry, yeah. petrol over petrol there so that it makes you know. Financially, it makes sense to get like a little diesel vehicle, but 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 diesel yeah. market share has plummeted in Europe as well. You know, yeah. mostly because it, really? it looks like oh yeah, mm-hmm. it used to be you know um, it, in most of Europe, diesel diesel vehicles had around forty to fifty percent market share, and some in some places like Europe or in France, I should say, it was as much as eighty percent diesel, um, and now. You know, I think overall diesel market share in Europe is down to under twenty percent. So, wow. you know, Volvo's not really losing much by getting rid of their diesels, especially yeah, since they're not, going all electric. Yeah. yeah, I feel like deciding not to do diesel is like, well, no one's really doing it, and we're all going towards electric anyway. So, why are we holding on to this yeah. sort of legacy fuel? <laughs> yep. Um, okay. Um, in case you haven't noticed, um, the UAW went on strike last week against no Ford, way. General Motors, and Stellantis. What? No, uh, they you know they want more money, they want better benefits, you know, lot you know lots of things. I'm not going to go into all the all the details of, of what they're after. They've had a really interesting strategy for this strike. This is the first time in the history of the union that they've ever gone on strike against all three automakers simultaneously. Which is a big deal. Yeah. Usually they target one, you know, as they're getting close to the deadline, they'll pick one company and keep negotiating with them and, you know, target them. And, you know, if they, if they don't get a deal, they go on strike against one company. And then after they get a deal, then they, they use that as the template for the other two automakers. And this time they went out against all three, but they didn't go out, Usually when they go on strike, they go on strike at all the plants at once. And this time they started off the first week, they only struck one assembly plant at each car maker. It's and very it was, strategic this time around. Yeah, it was it was all plants that are making midsize pickup trucks. Um in the case of GM, it was their um Wentzville, Missouri plant where they make the Colorado and Canyon. Uh, for Ford, it was the uh, Wayne assembly plant in Michigan where they build the Ranger and the Bronco. And for Stellantis, it was the Toledo plant where they build the Wrangler and Gladiator. Uh, and um, as of fr- Friday, what, two days ago now, they said they were making progress with Ford. So they didn't expand the strike against Ford, but they did expand the strike at GM and Stellantis. And they went out at 38 parts warehouses. Instead of assembly plants, they want to want to strike everybody. against parts warehouses. Yeah, yeah. Well, it hits everyone. They all have to stop if they run out of parts. Then they have to lay people off at the factory. Well, these these are all service parts warehouses, so it's not yeah. parts that are going okay. to the assembly plants. Gotcha. Um, so it's it's service parts, which is um, interesting because usually, you know, if you go on a strike against an assembly plant, there's some lag time before it starts to have an impact at dealerships. You know, because there's inventory at the dealerships. 
And so it's, you know, it might be several weeks before you start feeling some pain, but um, with the, the parts warehouses, you know, dealers and, and also independent parts um, or independent service providers, not just dealers, you know, they don't stock all the parts for all the cars, you know, and a lot of times if they, if they need to fix something on a vehicle, you know, they'll order it from their local distributions, regional warehouse, and, you know, they'll usually get it within a day or so. And so this is going to have an impact, um, you know, both on revenues for the automakers and on the dealers and on customers. So if you've got a uh, GM or Stellantis vehicle that needs service uh, in the next couple of weeks, you may find yourself waiting a while to get parts for that vehicle because of the strike. So fix well, your car you now have, if you're holding off and something yeah, you think yeah. is about to break. <laughs> so now you're going to, but there's, you know, the, the, the automakers just now are going to start getting pressure from the dealers to be like, dude, you need to fix this. Yeah. Because uh, now you're hurting us before. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's a real interesting strategy on the part of the union. You know, they're trying to minimize the pain for their workers, but inflicting some pain on the companies in a different way than they usually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, inflicting pain that's going to come quickly rather than slowly over the course of several weeks. Yeah. yeah. So. And it means they're going to be getting feedback um, from their partners. Yeah. All right. Last one for this week uh, is VinFast. Um, VinFast has sold some cars. Uh, Good job, per- VinFast. Apparently they've delivered about 14,000 cars <laughs> in their yeah. entire history. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out that um, most of them are being delivered to VinFast. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so they're getting high in their own supply over there at the VinFast. We, oh, my gosh. We, 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 haven't, we haven't really talked um, much about VinFast's uh, stock. You know, they, they went public a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. or yeah, about a month ago, I guess now, a little more than a month ago. Um, they did a, a SPAC transaction and their, their market cap has been all over the map. It, at one point, like a week or so after they went public, it skyrocketed up to $200 billion, which is second only to Tesla. And this is a company that's, you know, hardly sold any vehicles. And yet they were valued at, at you know, almost $200 billion. And even now the stock price has dropped. Uh, quite a bit. I think they were down to about thirty billion dollars, which is still stupidly high for for what this company is. Um, still get stupidly high. That's a financial a, assessment, people. Stupidly high. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, that's it's always a good reminder that the stock market is not the real world. <laughs> yeah. Well, and in this case, it's even less of the real world than the stock market usually is, because it turns out that the the shares that are available that are being publicly traded amounts to less than 1% of the shares of the company. Um, the other 99 plus percent of the shares are controlled by um, VinGroup and uh, VinFast founder, uh, Pham Nhat Vuong. Um, and he directly owns 51% of VinGroup's stock. So, you know, he is still in control. So there's only a small number of shares. And when that happens, that's when you tend to get a lot of volatility in the share price. Um, but of the cars, of the vehicles they sold, like this year, 
They've delivered uh, what eleven thousand, little over eleven thousand vehicles so far this year. Um, Seven thousand of those were bought by uh, Green and Smart Mobility, which is a Vietnamese taxi company, which is owned by Vin Group. <gasps> no, yeah. no, shocker. So how could they? We don't usually give stock advice on this show. I don't. I don't give stock advice. I don't but talk about. You might want to think twice if you're thinking about investing in VinFast. Just saying. Or maybe do thoroughly. invest. Who knows? I don't Invest-I know how. I don't know. Stock- Investigate it thoroughly and make your decision. But <laughs> The whole, I mean, the stock market is a bunch of bonkers. Uh, I, <laughs> things anyway. The whole stock market is bonkers anyway. So, the, you know, so it's like, I don't know how things work, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know. I don't understand I, any. I don't. I, I've. Yeah, I don't I don't have any outside of 401k and whatever they put the money in. I don't know. I don't even I don't do I can't. <laughs> That's funny. I cover so many things. It's not even worth trying to get into the stock market because it's I run into ethical issues. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Let's answer some listener questions. OK. First up is David. Good morning from sunny New Jersey. Is it really Woo. sunny in New Jersey? On occasion, I'd imagine. Okay. I feel like sunny there a lot. Okay. I don't know a lot about it. It's the flower state or garden state? Garden state. Yeah. The it must be sunny state. sometimes. It's the flower yeah. state. How are you going to get flowers without the sun? Okay. <laughs> Need ra- Fair enough. Anyway, uh, David has a quick rebuttal to your response to Andy's question about which charger to get. You did answer his question, but with all the BEVs, the typical response also includes if rebates are available. I think you need to add to the answer of the inquiry for the user to check what rebates are available in their locale and what are the parameters. Um, and he gives an example of his own situation. Um, he purchased a, a BMW i4 M50 last February. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's a great car. Yeah. Excellent I4. choice. Yeah. Love that i4 so much. Especially the M50. Oh, yeah. Anyway, our local New Jersey utility company uh, offers $1,500 towards an install on a hardwired charger. In addition, it must be Wi-Fi enabled uh, and on their approved device list. There is a second rebate program that was available from ChargeUp, and I received $250 towards my charger. PSEG, their their utility, also adds reduced rates for non-primetime charging. The total net installed price for my jukebox, uh, I think that must be juice box. I don't think there's, is there a charger? I hope there's one, and then like when you yeah. like pull up, it plays a little song. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> anyway, like, whatever, whatever it was. Lonzi comes up to it, hits it with his elbow, and a song plays. <laughs> okay. His to- total net price for the installed was four hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, thanks for all the great information and making my compute be- compute be- commute better, uh, David. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I I know we've talked about rebates for chargers before. Maybe we didn't mention it in that most recent. Yeah, we didn't mention it. We should have. Yeah. Yeah. Check your check your local utility. Like PG&E will give me a rebate on stuff if I had bought the stuff via the stuff. Yeah, and here here in Michigan, that was a super concise. If you bought stuff with stuff, there might be stuff. Yeah. That's the same amount of the financial advice I'm giving for uh, the stock market: stuff and stuff. And and here in Michigan, DTE has has a rebate program for chargers as well. Um, Although I was not able to take advantage of that because you actually have to purchase an EV um, and give them the VIN number of the, of the car you bought, um, you know, so they can only, you know, so you can only claim it one time. And since I don't actually own an EV, I just drive a lot of them. I, I didn't, wasn't able to take advantage of that, but yeah, definitely check what programs are available in, in your area 
uh, check with your utility, go on their website. You're, there's chance, there's very good probability that they offer some sort of rebate. Um, and then, you know, some automakers are also offering programs like GM. Hyundai. Yeah. Hun- give you a charger and some money. Yeah. Hun- Hyundai just announced uh, a program this week with ChargePoint. Um, they'll give you a charger and a credit towards installation of the charger. Um, and Honda is doing a, a similar thing They're They're actually for the ZDX and other stuff that's coming that we'll talk about next week. Um, they, they have a program. Uh, they have three different packages that you can get. One is a charging cable. Um, and, and then you get a certain amount of credit towards installing an outlet in your garage, uh, plus a certain amount of fat, uh, public charging credits. Uh, or you can get a hardwired wall box type charger uh, with a corresponding um, installation uh, credit and public charging. Or if you already have a charger, you can just take a, a get a package of free charging that's equivalent to the other two packages. Um, so there's there's lots of stuff out there available to make it a little bit easier and take some of the sting out of that that getting that first charger installed. All right. Next up, Richard yes. from BC, which I'm assuming is British Columbia. Uh, I don't know of any other place that has the initials BC. I would go with British Columbia. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, just listen to the September 10th uh, and beginning of the 17th shows. You spent most of the 10th discussing the IAA show, but no mention of the new mini, which sadly I did completely forget to put on the list. Um, <laughs> it was I didn't... willful. You hate mini. Admit That's it. right. Well, I find it interesting whenever you mention a small car, you ignore Mini. Um, have You've mentioned it once when discussing small electric cars, but it's not usually on your radar, it seems. Did Mini do something to piss you off? <laughs> no. Actually, <laughs> we love driving Minis, and we've reviewed I'm, them a few times. I, I like I, Minis. Yeah. I, I went and looked at the Mini um, ahead of the, the show, and I'm very excited because I love the Mini SE, even though it only has like 120 or 114 or whatever the EPA or the EPA ranges for it. I love that EV so much. Yeah, it's a blast to drive. No, oh, it it's is. It's so much fun to drive. And so I'm very excited about the new Mini. Um and so yeah, I'm 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 yeah, Mini has done nothing to piss me off as far as I know. I mean, maybe behind my back and they haven't found out yet. I don't know what they what they're doing down at the Mini. It, it um, was HQ. it was an honest honest brain fart. Yeah, but no, I I I yeah, I sat in it and it has a little dog and it has so they have a screen in the center, but then they also have their little um, like pop up uh, head up display, which is I think is the correct thing to do. Yeah, instead of just putting everything in the center and being like, "Well, figure it out." Yeah, no. and, and I mean, you know, they've had the that big circular speedometer in the center of the dashboard ever since modern minis came out twenty right. plus years ago, but now they they still have a big circular, but now it's, it's just an OLED touchscreen. That's circular um, with, with the whole infotainment system on there. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's an evolution of the design, you know, slightly chunkier, boxier, I guess, you know, a little bit, um, a little more squared off headlights instead of round. But yeah, no, it's 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 a it looks like a cool little car and I'm looking forward to driving it. It's going to have more range. And they also have the Countryman, which is also going to be electric. Um, and the, the mini brand is is going to be going all electric over the next several years. Um, so um, definitely looking forward to trying out the the new mini hardtop um, with the uh, with their new electric powertrain in there. 
I look forward to the convertible version. Ooh, yeah, that could be fun. That would right. be fun. That's a nice oh, little mini. Con- I talked to the mini North America. Did they say uh, if they're going to do an electric convertible? Yes. Oh, yes. okay. I, I specifically had a meeting with this person to ask him that question. There was other questions that the publication who hired me to do this that had wanted me to ask, but that was my question. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first question you put personally. out there. Is there going to be a convertible? It wasn't the first. I I moved into it. I I, okay. I I eased into it, but that was that was the only question I cared about. <laughs> that was the only answer I cared about, and they said yes. Okay. Excellent. So no, we mini. We're not pissed off at mini. We're just no. anxious to drive the new one. Um, all right. Finally, Eric asks, uh, in your last podcast, you talked about gas stations installing EV chargers. I'm surprised that Cracker Barrel hasn't installed <laughs> EV chargers in their parking lots. It seems like the perfect location to stop and charge your car while you're eating. Thanks for the great podcast. They have that split pea soup thing here in California. There's like two... what, a Cracker Barrel? No, no, what? but this is a different, this is like a, a California thing. So they have the split pea soup paste. One year I was driving a, a Tesla to, to well, yeah, I know you're drunk now. I'm like, <laughs> to what? Las Vegas. I and I stopped at the split pea soup place and I had a nice meal while I waited for my car to charge. It was outstanding. So yes, Cracker Barrel should put some. So, so is this charges. a restaurant that serves nothing but split pea soup? No, nah, it's a regular the... restaurant, but their their split pea soup is what they're famous for. I had oh, breakfast. Okay. It was morning time. I had some eggs and some hash browns. Okay. Um, but the the idea that like a not like this a chain of restaurants you're like hey we should put some EV charges in there that seems like a no brainer to me at this point um, you would think uh, they would be great uh, at Cracker Barrel I mean you get you some biscuits and get yourself some electricity It'd be awesome did they have yeah. biscuits and gravy at Cracker Barrel did Cracker what? Barrel Waffle House you know biscuits In and Out yeah In and Out no, you're there too quick that's like five minutes you're in it's true, like yeah. it's it's in the name really. Yeah. <laughs> In and out, Sam. You're not there. Well, I mean, you got to plug in and then plug out, you know. They could go uh, like Denny's. <laughs> yeah, Denny's. Yeah, I mean, there's all Denny's. kinds of places. I like the the um, one of the uh, truck stops um, has dog parks in it, but it's not oh, the truck. It's cool. not. I, I can't remember. I think it's it's Loves, but then Flying J is the one that's going to put a bunch of EV chargers. Yeah, they're and working with GM moment, and EVGo. Yeah, for a moment, I was like, wait, is Flying J with the one with the dog parks? And I was like, oh. <laughs> so if Love's put some chargers that. in, that's perfect for me and my wife when we travel because, you know, we stop and let the dogs run around. And if we had a place where we could stop, let the dogs run around and charge the car and get a snack because usually there's so a Starbucks or a Carl's Jr. or an Arby's or whatever. Um, I, I think with the, the big <sighs> expansion of charging infrastructure that we're going to see over the next several years, this this is exactly what's going to happen. A lot of them are going to be located at places like Cracker Barrel and and other, um, you know, Bob Evans and you know all all these other places where you know that maybe close you know right off highways where people can stop and grab a meal um, and uh, get charged up while they while they wait. And they don't even have to put the charger in. They just put the restaurant. They wait to see where the big charging plot's going to be, and then they just build a restaurant next to it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yes, that would be the way to do it. You just go. That's the business model. You go and you find those EV chargers that are like poorly located. You're like, wait, right here. This Plop. could be a Cracker Barrel. Right uh, here. Oh, this I'm, could be I'm, a Denny's. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, all of these companies that, that own these restaurant chains are going to be, you know, they're they're having conversations Probably. internally about, you know, OK, how can we do this? How can we get some of that seven and a half billion dollars of federal funding from the Nevi? Oh, program? yeah. Um, partner yeah. with EVgo or yep, charge point or yeah, whatever. 
Whatever, whatever we can partner with. Any whatever we can partner with. I can get biscuits and gravy while I'm waiting for my car to right. charge, and my dogs can run around in the dog park. All the, forget incentives, seventy five hundred dollars for buying an EV. If I knew that every time I'd stop a charge, like this means you're gonna get biscuits and gravy. I mean, like yeah. in <laughs> or I nice buy taco. an EV. That's all I need. Give me, give me I, biscuits and gravy. Driving up and down the state a few months ago for uh, after um, a family wedding, I was looking at the charging stations along the route back up to San Francisco. And uh, there was one that was next to a Mexican restaurant. And so that's the one I picked. <laughs> Is it C? <laughs> yeah. So I like I parked, I parked there and I went inside and I had some delicious Mexican food. It was outstanding. Yeah. See? Or, oh, or you know, silly, if you if you but... own a taco truck, you know, go park it next parked. to a charging station. I'll park next to a, the Tesla charging station. Cause that's yeah. where most yeah. Yeah. Just so go... the EV that some of the, the charge point, one charge point or one uh Electro America is next to like a Lucky's where I live. So you're like, oh, I'm gonna go here, and there's like, a, there's a Hawaiian barbecue place and stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. The other one's part is next to an IHOP, but it's across the street from like a taqueria and a Denny's and some other places. But it's just far enough. Like I'm like, if someone just parked a truck right here, and the one that's like next to the IHOP, it's always busy. Yeah. It's like now it's there become like the it's it's I'm like if I if someone had a taco truck, they'd be cleaning up right now. Well, I'm I'm sure that you know as, as we add more chargers. You know, this is this is going to be, you know, as people look, you know, as they drive and they see, OK, there's two charging stations here and I like that restaurant better. I'm going to go charge over there. percent, I would do yeah. that. Taco truck and biscuits and gravy. You do on every even corner. Now when you think about it, when you go to a gas station on a road trip, you do it. You look and see like if there's three exits on the highway. Oh, this exit has a place I want to have lunch after. Let's yeah. go to this one. Yeah. You do that. We do do that. All of us do. Right. Okay, um, that's it for this week. Um, I also have an interview that I did at uh, when I was in Munich with Harry Husted, who is the CTO of Board Warner. Uh, which you know, <laughs> when I, I first became aware of Board Warner when I was much much younger, um, when as a company that made transmissions, um, and they don't really do much of that anymore. But they're doing a lot of other interesting stuff, and so I, I chatted with Harry about what uh, how Borg Warner is transforming itself uh, for the next generation of vehicles. So I will tack that on here after we say goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Borg Warner. Okay. Uh, Borg Warner. You know, it's funny when when I first became a Borg, aware of Borg Warner when I was much younger than i am now uh, you know it was a company that made transmissions yeah yeah and uh it's a very different company today and um you know i want to record this ideally and use it for my podcast yeah um so let's talk a little bit about where you know where borg warner is today and kind of where you see it going you know over the next five to ten years you know as it transitions you know from um from you know building gearboxes and you know mechanical stuff to um, components related to electrification. You know, I mean, you've gotten out of the turbocharger business. And, We're uh, still in. Are still are still in turbos. Okay. So what we did is with that with us we spun off um, part of the business, um, which we had kind of planned to do as part of charging forward. Essentially, that that entity that spun off is Finia. It was very fuel focused. So it was fuel injection. And then there were also fuel handling components, and that made a nice 
package of things that made sense together as a company. And that's what we spun off. And that's a lot of the stuff that you acquired with Delphi Technologies. Quite a bit plus, of it. Plus some of what you also had. Yes, Italy. it was. Yeah. So we looked at that and, and that helped us just to kind of diversify away from combustion engines a bit. Mm -hmm. But we still retain, like for this year, you know, 83% of our sales will still be toward what we call foundational components. So not not explicitly electric vehicle. So we're still very much in the business of, you know, doing propulsion, driveline, those types of products mm -hmm. for uh, typical either combustion engine vehicles, hybrid vehicles, things like that. Something that has an engine. And what do you see as the timeline for continuing to wind that down? Is it basically going to, you see it as paralleling kind of where the overall market is, you know, as, as that market shrinks and start to wind up some of those operations? Well, I think what we've done is we've, we've looked at where the market's going. We did this a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, and we saw this shift to electrification. And at that point, we kind of made this declaration, Q1 of 2021, we said, we're going to do this thing called charging forward, and we're going to pivot hard toward EV, mm -hmm. right? And really catch, get on that curve and try to be on it or just a bit ahead of it. And what has happened from when we did that two and a half years ago is that EV trend has accelerated. So by getting on that path back two and a half years ago, it's playing out really well for us. So it's for us, it's a transformation story. I mean, you know what we've been as a company, really strong driveline, great products, um, but focused on, you know, helping engines make the torque and then that, get that torque down to the wheels. And now we're really shifting into a component set that balances out well, that gives us a lot more component content in electric vehicles. So within that, that component content, you do electric motors today, and you have been for a while. You, yes. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you supply the motors for the Mustang Mach-E. We do the drive units for the Mach. Okay, the, the full drive units. Yeah, so the motor the and the gears unit. and gear set and. Well, for that one, you know, Ford came to us, and so that motor is actually someone else's motor. Oh, okay. It's someone else's inverter, but it is our total system and our. So gear you integrate set. it. We integrate it. We test it at the factory, and okay. it ships ready to go from us. Okay. Um, but you also do motors, yes. and you acquired Remy some years ago. We acquired, that was really in this charging forward, you know, EV propulsion store. That was really the original thing that we did. Back in 2015 was the Remy acquisition that brought in the electric motor business. And that is what started us down the path. So that's eight years ago. And then you can, then in 2017, we acquired Sevcon. That brought us some industrial electronic strength, and it, they were doing charging more on the industrial side, the forklift side, but that positioned us with some core things to now be in. Yeah, I noticed you've got a charger out there. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So that story has kind of played out, but Motors was the original piece of it. Yeah. And then when we look out, so that was 2015, we've, you know, talked to Wall Street and said, hey, where are we going to be charging forward? We just came out with kind of charging forward 2027. Out in that time frame, we'll be selling 3 million motors a year into, you know, the EV and, you know, propulsion space and about 6 million inverters. So that's really cool. So um, on, on the motors today, um, where are you mostly selling those uh, in China today? Is that the main market for those? 
Uh, it's a variety of places. We sell really well in China, and in China we're we're selling. Sometimes it's it's motors. Sometimes we're selling these IDMs like what we have out here. You know, the one that we've got outside the door is actually for an, a, a Chinese customer.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is in the China market with the NEV, the new energy vehicles, there's certain hybrids that qualify,、mm-hmm. and we're selling motor pairs、okay. with dual inverters into that market, which is nice too.、Um, the One of the things we're seeing, particularly in North America, and、uh, I think also in Europe, is、um, with as as the transition to electrification accelerates, a lot of especially the, particularly the big OEMs、um, that had for a long time been kind of they shot they stayed away from doing a lot of their own motors, batteries,、um, and and even the power electronics. Um, because they, they were doing so few EVs,、mm-hmm. but now as they really start to ramp up that that production,、um, you know, a lot of them are investing a lot more in building a lot of that stuff in house.、Um, but are you do you still see a place you know for a supplier like Borg Warner to be supplying both into those companies as well as into some of the smaller OEMs that maybe don't have the resources to develop and build those components on their own? I think yes. I mean, that's what we're seeing because there's really so much growth. I mean, if you really look at the growth rate at EV, the some OEMs are insourcing some of those components on some of their platforms. But when you really look at the total picture, they need the external supply community, the tier one community, to help just cover all the vehicles and all the platforms. So we continue to see pull. So I think there is going to be some insourcing. It really depends on the OEM. And what their strategy is,、um, what their needs are with their existing plants to help those plants transition to the EV world, you get mixed yeah, stories. Yeah, as they shut down engine plants or you know, wind down some engine production or transmission production, transitioning those over. It is a huge change.、Mm-hmm. It's a everyone has to go through a big transformation to do this. You know, the the OEM community has to transition in a huge way. The tier one community where we are, same thing. So, everyone's managing their way through it. Some OEMs we see though, they they want the design know-how. So in some cases we get a kind of build to print closer to that. You know where they say this is about the motor we want. We know size, configuration, the specs we want. You know, take it, take it the rest of the way. And you know then we are experts in manufacturing. You know, create that design to be manufacturable and then build it. So that. And I, Goes to my next question. Yeah, as the CTO of the company,、um, you, you know, I'm curious. You know, how, has Borg Warner been able to really develop its expertise in things like motor design and the power electronics design, and really start to innovate in those areas and come up with something unique and better that you know, take back to an OEM and say. Hey, we've got something really cool here. <laughs> yeah, that they can get excited about. Yeah. yeah, no, I think we've got a number of areas there that are really good.、Um, you know, in the power electronics world, you know, we've been innovating for for years in that space. We acquired Delphi Technologies,、mm-hmm. and there was a, a kind of a long history of innovation there.、Uh, in that team, when they looked at electric vehicles, that team is the team that did the original EV1 propulsion system, right? Which Okay, you look back 30 years, but even 30 years ago, when you looked at that system and you looked where the cost was, 
you said, oh, here's the things we have to focus on to make EV successful. We have to pull cost out of the system. And back then the team identified, they looked at the power module and they said, this costs too much and there's too much silicon surface area in this power module, what can we do? And out of that work back then came this concept that we have now that we've, or in high volume production with, which is the Viper power switch, mm -hmm. where we said, what's making that silicon so big is that we can't cool it well enough. We only cool it from the back side. Let's cool it better, let's cool it on both sides, put it in a sandwich, and all those wire bonds that fail, right? When they fail, right, you have so many wire bonds, it's like a sewing machine. When you lose one, then it's a cascade kind of thing because then the current goes up and the rest. And so anyway, we got away from wire bonds and that innovation was the Viper power switch. So you could take silicon area out, which is your main cost driver. So anyway, the compactness of it and the ability to pull cost out of the silicon was an innovative concept. Okay. And we've played that through into high volume production business now. Yeah, I mean, Delphi certainly did uh, a lot of interesting things in the power electronics area. I mean, I, I think they were one of the first to do an integrated power electronics module on the second gen bolt drive mm -hmm. unit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was that. dual inverter, mm -hmm. dual Viper rails. Yeah. And that's that's the same type of technology that's now going into production. And the cool thing that we didn't see at the time, but D and a diode, the classic thing you need, you need six of those big switch sets and you run a motor. But that package is almost the ideal capsule to put silicon carbide in. Mm -hmm. Because silicon carbide, the die are smaller due to defect density. So you need like six to eight die per switch. And a Viper, you pull the diode and the IGBT out and eight, six to eight die fit perfectly in there. Okay. So we were able to pivot without changing the rest of the inverter, some gate drive changes. We're able to go to silicon carbide really easily. And, and that's going to be increasingly important in the coming years as, <laughs> yeah. as you get the shift towards higher voltage architectures. And Yeah, exactly. Great. So we've got that on the, the that side. The other thing that's interesting, I'll just mention it. We acquired a Chinese company called Santrol on the motor side. And what Santrol's really good at is is combining, it is they designed the production equipment that builds their motors. So they just do design their own process equipment and then they design the motor, and the two teams that do it, they sit there and do it together. So you're doing you can really I do a lot of optimization. So then you're optimizing. The, the design person says, I don't want to do this, and the, and the equipment person says, well, do it this way and this way. And so what they have is they're very good at, they're very efficient at manufacturing. So for us, when we've brought that in, we're leveraging that. Mm -hmm. And they're doing some really innovative things on the assembly side for motors. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. Um, what if, uh, I guess, and we, you know, going back to what you mentioned about you know the, the thermal management on the power electronics, thermal management, of course, was one of the businesses that you already had, one of the areas mm -hmm. that Morgan already had, and so have you been able to leverage some of the expertise you had there to further make other improvements and yeah. both in motor thermal management and batteries? We've, we've been leveraging it, but we've also been leaning into it on a product side, what we call, you know, the, the products that we're targeting toward electrified vehicles, we'll call it e-products. Mm -hmm. So that's our, our speak for electrified products. You know, a lot of them, it's you look outside and it's power electronics based, but something that we're bringing forward and really showing more prominently here at EIA is our e-cooler business. Mm -hmm. So really specialized thermal products to help cool EB components because 
the thermal systems in electric vehicles, you know, it's, it's kind of the hidden secret that I think is now kind of coming to the forefront is the thermal systems in there are, are very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And the high power components need thermal management to really be effective and cost effective. Right. So we're focusing on, like, we announced a battery cooling plate win okay. with a Europe OEM. The Europe OEMs doing cylindrical cells, and they wanted cooling plates that would snake between those cells. And so you can see that out there. We're doing this, the a series of cooling plates that will cool this new path that's cylindrical. So that's pretty cool. Is that, uh, is that with BMW? We're not saying who it's oh. with, but it's a major European. Yeah. Well, BMW OEM. has previously announced that they're going to 46 millimeter cells for the for the Neue class. Okay, so very interesting. Make, could seems like it could be, uh, but so at any rate, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're excited about that opportunity because that's a thermal management product that improves the performance of the battery. Another one is they're we're getting into these power electronic cooling plates where. You're able to sandwich the electronics, cool them better, like the Viper story. Yeah. So they're leveraging that. Well, it sounds like you know if you can, you know, a lot of a lot of these components are very sensitive to temperature, and if you can cool them better, you know, like a motor, for example, if you can do a better job of cooling that and maintaining the temperature, now you can potentially use a smaller motor that can mm-hmm. run closer to its peak performance yes. instead of yes. you know kind of running, you know, having a lot of Headroom there that you can only use that yeah. some of the time. Yeah, and it also helps us like in commercial vehicle applications where your continuous operating points are higher. Yeah, when you cool better, you know we're working on you know oil cooled end windings and things like that so that you can stay at higher continuous powers. And with um, it's good that you mentioned commercial vehicles. You know, I mean, obviously a lot of people think are thinking about electrification and light duty vehicles. But commercial vehicle applications, medium and heavy duty stuff, there's so much potential there for a lot of those use cases. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you seeing an increasing interest um, from OEMs in the in the commercial oh, sector? Yeah, 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 very much so. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, you know, we're following the shift. I would say that the CV commercial vehicle pivot to electric is just, you know, a bit, you know, in terms of time, it's it's staggered a bit behind past car in terms of the ramp up, but. As we watch it and talk to our customers, it's just continuing to, to ramp. So it's going to ramp, and they're going to need the full suite of solutions. We did this Akasol acquisition, so we're bringing battery packs into that space. And then some of the other componentry we do, the OEMs come to us and you know pull us into components. For, you know, so we're showing a high-voltage e-fan out there. Oh, the one, the, the big, the big, big one? fan, yeah. right? So you say, well, how in the world did that happen, right? And it's because in the engine world, we were doing fans for their engine, their crank-driven fans, but it was a viscous coupler on the front right. so that you didn't spin it too fast. So we're the can supplier of record for a number of OEMs. So if you're in purchasing and it's time to ask for an e-fan, you're going to call your same supplier and say, I need an e-fan, please. And so that team did a great job pivoting because now they need to do an inverter and electric motor that they hadn't been doing. That so, team, so that's an electrically driven fan for a commercial vehicle? Yeah, it's electric with a low profile motor, lower profile, and then a, a full power inverter at you know the voltage, the 600 to 800 volt range. But it's a big fan because what they need it for now is 
an electric vehicle that has uh, braking resistors. If you're doing that type of solution, you need to cool braking resistors. Or if you're doing a fuel cell, you have not very much delta T, mm -hmm. and you need to move a lot of air. So that fan is a 40-kilowatt fan, which is a huge number. Yeah. You're like, wait, why does they need that much power? But they really need to move a lot of air to cool the system. So, okay. So we put forward a solution. And then we, we did a 40, and another OEM came and said, for my system, I need a 10-kilowatt. And we put together a solution that, that met those targets, and we, we announced that win. So we're getting some momentum in this thermal management business on the CV side, which is yeah. really cool. That's good, good to hear. Yeah. Um, let's see, where else? Um, power electronics motors I guess longer term looking out five ten years from now you know, beyond just you know continuing to evolve and improve on the the products you're, you're already doing where else do you see board Warner potentially going you know what what other kind of areas do you want to get into that's a great question we're working on the answer to that <laughs> I don't have I don't have an answer beyond kind of the new things where we are today. Mm -hmm. And you can see we're, we're really focused, you know, in mobility on the propulsion piece. You can see we're expanding into this thermal area, which is really nice. And then the other place where we're kind of leveraging what we know how to do is this thing we call high voltage box. Mm -hmm. So that's an onboard charger and a DC-DC. So you look at those components and you say, Okay, well, how does that fit? You know, the onboard charger is power electronics that gets energy into the battery. So that's a propulsion component. The DC-DC converter is really not explicitly a propulsion component. It's an electrical architecture component. That's power, you power the rest of the stuff in my car, please, that's at 48 volts or 12 volts. So, but that's a good product for it because it, it's, it's power electronics it fits in well with the technologies we know how to do. So we think that's, that block is probably going to be a pretty standard architecture. Mm -hmm. You're going to see the three-in-one propulsion setup, the motor, gearbox, inverter. That's one. And then this block, DC-DC and OBC, will probably sit near the battery pack. Okay. That's what we're saying, you know, short connection. And then kind of related to that, you mentioned earlier the, the DC fast charger out there. Yeah. That's, that's a new area for Borg Warner. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. There's obviously some of the same kinds of technologies you're using, you know, the onboard charger and, yes. you know, the power electronics, you know, because uh, you're taking the high voltage AC and uh, converting that to DC to stuff into a battery. So when, when did that start for Borg Warner? That really started over the past couple years. That was kind of coincident with charging forward. You know, that came from that, you know, the core of that activity came from that Subcon team that we acquired back in 17. But then as we looked at the market and what that means, that is a high growth market. Mm -hmm. DC fast chargers, you know, it's, it's a large um, product in terms of a product sale. It matches our power electronics expertise. And when I look at that product, you look at the power level, and for me, I look across to our inverters, it's very similar power levels. Mm. And then you look at technology and you say, my inverters, I'm going to silicon carbide, and DC fast chargers, what am I doing? And so carbide. So the technologies match really well for us. So we, it made strategic sense for us to get into that business. What's new and different about that product is it's not um, a car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's sitting off board the car, 
And when it's off the car, it's a different customer situation, but because we're cloud connected, so all these things have their own cellular modem, right? Or they're internet connected. So now we're looking at a different software stack over there where we're gonna be in the cloud with the data and you know, giving our customer base a view into their chargers in, at the cloud level and then having that full stack back down to the, the charger that's sitting on the ground. So that's kind of a cool space for us. Is that software that you're developing in-house or working with partners on that? It's a combination. Yeah. I, we're, we're growing our capability in that area and we'll selectively look outside where there's expertise. You know, if, if something is easy, you know, it's, it's a module that's easy to bring in, we'll look at that. How, how big is BorgWarner's software group these days? Well, I mean, traditionally, it hasn't. Not only has been a huge part, given given the nature of the products that you built, it hasn't been. No, yeah. that's been a big change for us. So the the two stories there is when we brought in um, Delphi Technologies back in 2020, we brought in software and electronics engineers, over a thousand people between those two, and in the past couple years, we've added 1,500 people in software and electronics. So. A lot of growth in that area. Yeah. A lot of growth to support, because if you look at this stuff outside, you go back five years, there just weren't all those electronic products, and now almost everything out there needs embedded software in it. Yeah. Um, so when when do you expect we'll start to see um, Borg Warner chargers when we pull up to uh, our local fast charging station? We'll see. We'll see. I think in general, as we look, we're still kind of looking at our strategy. Our strategy today, if you look at the companies we've acquired, we're more focused on the commercial side. So that's that's better our focus. We'll still see on the past. Start start with fleets and start with fleets. Put them in there and bigger vehicles. You know, so both Rhombus and SSE, those companies that we acquired, were really focused on the fleet side. So that's where we're that's where we're you know our our base is right now. Well, and you know, there's a great opportunity with on the software side with that, with managing, you know, fleet fleet management, you know, yeah. integrating with the various fleet management platforms to figure out what the state of charge is of the various vehicles in the fleet. So, yeah, exactly, a lot of software opportunities there. And then the level of complexity above that, right? You've got, you know, fleet vehicles come in; they need to be ready at this time of the day in the morning or whatever. But then you'd like to use use those battery packs if there's some vehicle-to-grid opportunities. Mm -hmm. You can sell power and kick shave back into the grid. So that's the other, they call it energy management opportunity. Okay. Any last thoughts? I think really it's a transformation story. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've changed a lot just even in the past two and a half years as a company, three years. You look back three years and we look at where we are now. It's it's really a story that's going well. Yeah, we've between acquisitions and the internal teams really pivoting toward EVs. Um, it's pretty encouraging. You're, you're adapting to the new environment. <laughs> We're adapting to the the way it is now. Yeah, to yeah. to where things are headed. So, well, thank you very much for your time, Harry. Yeah, thanks. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.